We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo coming to you on Monday, April 25th, a little after 11 p.m. The Dallas Mavericks just defeated the Utah Jazz at home to re- uh, to take a commanding 3-2 series lead, uh, and they won 102-77 to in what was one of the more dominating performances that this team has put on uh, this season. Totally, and I think the 102-77 final score uh, does not do justice to how thorough and ass-kicking this game was. Uh, I really feel like the Mavericks could have won this game by like 40 or 50 points with the way they were playing and, and with the way the Jazz were playing too. I mean, the Jazz had nothing from the opening tip. Uh, I, I predicted the Mavericks before this game in our Slack were going to win by double digits uh, because just, just because I felt like the Mavericks had such a strong advantage strategically in this series. I didn't feel like the Jazz had many more adjustments left in them. But man, I did not predict just how thorough it would be um and if the mavericks made a couple more open shots i mean it would have i mean it would have been even more of a laugher than it already was and so the game started out i mean just it's kind of hard to really talk about this game because i i the mavericks just beat the crap out of them i mean from really the opening tip it got a little wonky at points in the first half really the first quarter brunson and luca sort of struggled from the field and yet the Mavericks were still up 24 to 18 after a quarter. Uh, at halftime, they had held the Jazz to another 18 point quarter, and the Mavericks were up by, I want to say, 16. Mm-hmm. And then in the third quarter, Luca just went Nova. I mean, he had <laughs> 19 points in the quarter. And after getting, I want to say, who, who knocked him? Somebody did something to him. Like, asshole Luca came out in full force. 
He hit a pair of, like he hit, I want to say he hit three threes in like the final four minutes of the quarter. Like there was just, it, it was such a demoralizing loss. If I'm a jazz fan <laughs> and a jazz player, like it, they could do nothing. Um, I want to let Josh talk, but I, I need to read you some numbers from what was going on with the Utah jazz starters. Donovan Mitchell finished. He played 32 minutes. He left early. He seems to have had a hamstring injury. I sure. Of course, of course he did. Um, he was four of 15 from the floor, zero of seven from three and was an incredible. Oh, he only scored nine points, but then he was an incredible negative 38 in his 32 minutes. And every one of those. Everyone. He, like, the Mavericks punished all of the Jazz. I, I'm i going to need to rely on you to talk about the, the our emphasis on maybe the targeting that they needed to do of Mitchell. Mm-hmm. But this was this was brutal. Boyan Bogdanovich, who got away with murder in the last game, was 0 of 9 from the floor in his 28 minutes, uh, did nothing else and was a negative 37 in 28 minutes. Like, Luca just wore him out. It's brutal. Yeah, uh, I think the Mavericks did a much better job. I'd have to go back and look and see just how many uh, and wait for the stats to, to kind of keep trickling in to see how many times they shot against Mitchell, but it definitely felt like there was more action towards Mitchell, towards Conley, towards Clarkson. Um Bogdanovich, they went after a little bit more, and that one makes me a little more hesitant. But when it's Brunson, I think I feel a little bit better because I think, you know, Brunson has the decided uh, quickness advantage there. With with Luca, I'm a little worried because Luca likes to play the herky jerky in between games sometimes, and mm-hmm. that maybe favors uh, Boyan a little bit more. But I mean, there was definitely less. I mean, what we saw in the fourth quarter of Game Four, where they scored 18 points, uh, and we're basically kind of stringing out the jazz uh with gobert trying luca trying to switch gobert onto him i I felt like there was a lot less of that i felt like the mavericks kind of got back to what was working for them avoided the jazz best defenders and i mean there's only like two of them so so it's really not that hard to avoid them if you want to um and i that jazz had no answer um i was kind of surprised to see the jazz not do it like i mean they didn't really do anything i mean they kind of it didn't seem like they tried to avoid getting screened or, or try to maybe overload the paint to to help their weaker defenders they didn't double you know maybe trap or double team or run some zone i think they ran some zone in the third quarter when the game was over i mean it was astonishing that the jazz kind of just rolled out of bed and kind of did the same thing they've been doing for four for four games now five games and what do you know um they got they got their ass beat again after you know, the Mavericks kind of pants them in games two and threes and almost did it again in game four. The Mavericks uh-huh. just kind of threw it, threw it away. So, well, I don't know and, what else and to say. it's really like if I'm a jazz fan, I'm looking at this going, we did not get any of the same calls or non calls that we got in the game prior. And like, that's why home court matters. I'm just going to kind of phrase it like that. But where I thought things were a little bit different is, in some of the plays that jazz players were making, like Royce O'Neal needs to be suspended. Um, just like flat out fucking suspend the guy. The next time I see him hit someone in the back for the Mavericks, you know, there was a weird scuffle that I thought both teams overreacted to where Hassan Whiteside kind of pulled Luke, like the 
I don't know what he was trying to do. Like he met him at midair, but he was under the rim. Like Luca was going to get that call. And it like Luca sort of turned and it sort of looked like a wrestling move where it's like, I kind of think Whiteside was trying to hold him, but it ends up looking like Whiteside drags him to the ground after hitting him in midair. And then there's like a double, there's like all sorts of technicals. Reggie Bullock, the only way he realized he was going to get any rest from Jason Kidd was by getting ejected from the game, picking up his second technical foul. Like there's just a lot of like extracurricular curricular shit. And, and that's something I, I, if I, if I take something away from this game, looking ahead to game six is that the Mavericks have to be very careful because they don't have the bodies for this. No, no, they don't. But it's hard to imagine Utah winning. I mean, the only way I could see them winning another game in this series is if it's, you know, like game four where the Mavericks let them uh, into the game and then, you know, get a favorable whistle in the, in the home crowd. But yeah, I mean, um, the Mavericks didn't like, I mean, they shot 12 of 43 from three, and I think Bullock was three of nine, and I swear he missed like five. He had a ton of open walks. I mean, I'm telling you, this could have been an even worse game. Uh, To try to get into something to talk about other than, hey, they just kicked their ass. Uh, Yeah. I thought it was interesting that after all the talk after game four about Maxi Kleba and what are the Maverick, you know, he cannot foul out and how crucial he is, and he's like the key link. and. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the Mavericks played pretty well with Powell in Powell's 20 minutes, which is really funny because in the first four games, Powell just did not look like he had a spot on the floor. And uh, it was just it was just really funny how the Mavericks just kind of just shrugged that off. I mean, Cleveland yep. played 20 minutes and he sc- scored zero points. I mean, defensively, he was he was solid, of course. But I mean, his presence on the floor on the offensive end didn't really change much of what the Mavericks were doing. And I guess that helps when you have Luka Doncic back, and obviously Powell and Doncic are a much better combo than than Brunson and Don, and, and Powell. I mean, it's obvious, you know, you seeing this game, you can tell how how crucial Powell is or Luka is to Powell's effectiveness. I mean, he scored eight points in like the first. I mean, he scored all eight of his points in like the first five minutes of the game, um, and that was that was great. It got him off to a great start, uh, and then you know, kind of coasted from there. He played only twenty minutes, but. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Like that was such a big topic over the last 24 to 48 hours. Like what are the, you know, can Maxi stay on the floor? How crucial is he? Can the Mavericks win? You know, if Maxi gets into foul trouble and ended up being, Oh, that, they're, they're okay. They'll, yeah. They'll well, to Maxi's credit, you know, he, he committed no fouls in 20 minutes and was a plus yeah. 15. Yeah, he, he didn't really time. do, he really <laughs> do much, but he also didn't like, he didn't take right. away. Right. Exactly. I mean, and that's, I mean, <laughs> Brunson and Luca combined to go four of 17 from three, and they win by, you know, however many they won by. What was it? Like, thir- you know, almost, you know, 30-something. Or, or, you know, they were leading by 30-something most of the second half. So, again, I mean, the Mavericks kind of left some meat on the bone in this game, and they still dominated the Jazz. That just goes to show, one, how good the Mavericks' defense was, which I think was really good. And, two, I mean, the Jazz – like, did the Jazz remember they won game four? Like, they looked like a team that was ready to go tired. on vacation. They looked real tired. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about this because I just didn't see it. But, like, the Jazz say the dumbest shit in post games. Rudy Gobert was talking about how the, 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 the game-winning shot in game four was poetic justice. 
And then before game two or before game five today, he he gave a quote, you know, ESPN's uh, Tim McMahon got it where he talked about the game plan is to attack him with elbows and basically talked about cheap shots when that man dished like three or four tonight. Like I, I, it's really something to, to, you know, cause if you play a team this many times, you're just going to find reasons to get frustrated with them. But like, this was one of the, you know, heading into to the playoffs, there were a lot of Mavs fans that were very interested in Rudy Gobert because there was a report out that the Mavericks might be interested in Rudy Gobert. So it's like, and then the more you watch this, it's like, I, I don't, you know, he is a unbelievable defensive player. I don't know if I want anything to do with that guy. His vibes and then Mitchell's too are unreal. Just re- ugh. I just yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm it, being maybe I'm, I'm, no, I'm no, no, reacting to the it, moment. It's real bad and it's hard like those two are so toxic together. It's hard to discern which end of it is like more the root cause, you know? Like mm-hmm. is it is it more Mitchell or is it more Gobert? Or is it just the combination of those two personalities is just untenable? But I find it really funny that this was like the fi- this was finally the game that Gobert got some shot attempts and actually scored, and he had seventeen yep. points, six to seven from the field, and they lose by a bajillion points. Uh, Can I read but, you a crazy statistic that yeah. I just saw? Yeah, uh, this is from former Mavs shadow GM Haralabov Vulgaris. Jazz had an expected point per shot of one point one seven on their twenty nine three point attempts for a total of thirty four points. They scored nine. Um, and then he then he follows that up and says that said this game was not lost due to three point luck. The Jazz looked thoroughly overmatched, and you have to think that it's like the tiredness, the road stuff, a little bit of everything. Like it's just a bit of a funk because the Jazz were getting some pretty good looks off that just didn't go down. Yeah, I feel like this was the first game of the series that the Jazz kind of got the three point shots that they've been searching for, and what do you know? They can't make any of them, which was just really funny, but. Again, the Mavericks defense in this series, I mean, they're not doing anything crazy, which, you know, Donovan Mitchell is the type of guy that has given this defense fits for like the last three years. And that Mm -hmm. archetype of player has given this defense fits last like three or four years. And how many, how many podcasts have we done, Kirk, where we're like, God, (laughs) Damian Lillard just walked into 10 open three pointers and the Mavericks like don't even get a hand up and they, the drop coverage stinks and they're letting these small guard jump shooters just walk into open shots. And like, what a difference it, it makes this, this season and this postseason. Like, they are running guys off the line. Dorian Finney Smith, the guy that we, we crushed on the defensive end in like the last two or three years because he would hang back and, and let these guards walk into comfortable open jumpers and three pointers. He's finally getting out onto shooters, you know, thanks to coaching staff for the tactics change and, and Finney Smith's own improvement. And yep. Mavericks are just chasing these guys off the line and they're not needing to do it without like doubles, traps, or anything weird. They're just they're playing straight up and funneling guys into bad spots on the floor and then and then rotating and contesting out from there. Like it's really fun. It's really great to watch. And the thing that's awesome about it is it's sustainable like they're not Mm -hmm. doing anything goofy to Mitchell they're just running him off the three-point line and they're harassing him when he does shoot threes and they're forcing him they're like okay you guys are gonna beat us by hitting a bunch of 10 to 15 foot twos uh go ahead and they just can't they just can't do it because the the math is just not working out in their favor so uh, I really have been enjoying the Mavericks defense this series for sure well and there's there's a real argument to be made through so we're through five games. There's a real argument to be made that this series should have been a sweep regardless of Luka was hurt or not. 
Um, Some mistakes in game one, missed free throws, a couple of things. I really, that's the game that I think the Mavericks lost more than, or that where the Jazz beat the Mavericks more than anything. Brunson missed a lot of shots, but, you know, Brunson's not like Brunson's played unbelievable tonight. We've not even talked about him. He (laughs) he kind of struggled through a rough shooting half and then really helped close the door. Um, But then game two, obviously, you know, Mavericks bounce back big way. Game three, um, Mavericks win game four Mavericks should have won. And there was some interesting kind of statistics shown around where it's like, like the, the, the three teams that won, uh, there are three teams that won over the weekend that had like a plus 15 free throw attempt. And we're not going to talk about the refs doesn't necessarily matter, but it's just, there's enough there's enough of an argument to be made that the Mavericks are not only the better team but they're like significantly better yes. than the Jazz at this point in time. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I was so Man, I mean, I'm sure you saw a lot of this too. People were like Mavs fans were freaking out after that game four loss and it was very weird how some people that we like fellow online friends, real life friends. And then, you know, fans of that have been following and reading our site for a long time that we interact with. It was really weird how they were kind of turning a four, you know, a four point lead with 30 seconds left into like a 25 point lead that like acting like it was a colossal. Yeah, it did. But it was so weird. There was like three possessions. Donovan Mitchell committed an offensive foul that was not called that changed the game. Um, like there's just enough to where you look at this and go, okay, the Mavericks could really do something here and not to look too far ahead here, but they, they need to win one of the next two games. Okay. To advance to the second round for the first time since 2011. And if you're looking at the board, <laughs> you need to keep an eye open at the field because the Pelicans and the Suns are tied at two apiece with Devin Booker hurt. And you should never look ahead to your next opponent, but it's just something to kind of keep in the back of your head because the Mavericks head back to Utah. They play a Thursday night game at nine o'clock PM. So it's like, like it's nearly it's two full days. Like, like this is, so they go all of Tuesday, all of Wednesday. And I'm sure they're going to head to Utah like probably Wednesday. And then they have a, a long day Thursday to get a lot of rest, which is where like, it's 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 really fun. Like like, there's just a lot of reason to think the Mavericks should close the game out thoroughly because now that that like like Donovan Mitchell's not been ruled out, but he's going to get like. There's enough concern right now. Looking at what reports say, where it's you know it's a hamstring injury. Like like yeah. Utah Jazz say Donovan Mitchell has a left hamstring injury. He'll be evaluated Tuesday once they're back in Salt Lake City. Hamstrings are not something to mess around with. Right, it's just like Lucas Capstrain. That's not yes. a that's not a bounce back, uh, rub some dirt on it injury. No, and so um, it's just like like you know you don't want to. Th- there's the the stars are aligning at the moment to where Dallas has a very clear shot to to win the series in six, which would be outstanding. Yep. And then it's it's we're gonna have a, a whole other ball game to talk about. I'm I'm really like, whoo! This is I, I just can't, I I mean I can't believe we're here. Cause it was just like a week of uncertainty followed by like some really what's been fun about this series is this is like a basketball nerd series where there's just so much interesting stuff to talk about, like on the court. I've had a great time. 
Yeah, I've appreciated the adjustments the Mavericks have been making. Um, I've appreciated the lack of adjustments the Jazz have been making mm. because it makes the series go a lot faster than maybe it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I don't even know what they could do. Um, that's the thing. Like after that game three win, I, I felt like the Jazz didn't really have any. Like I, I thought I was kind of over after that game. Uh, not to not to get too far ahead of myself. The Mavericks have to win two more games. Lord knows what's going to happen in these next two games. It's the NBA. But just in terms of, like, execution and strategy, after game three, it felt like the Mavericks had just figured this team out. And it was just it was just going to be – it would rest on the Mavericks' shoulders whether they wanted to win more games or not. You Not necessarily, oh, the Jazz got to do this, this, and this, and they'll be in it. And it's like, no, if the Mavericks do this, this, and this, with it, which they can continually do every game, then they're going to win. Like, so I feel like ever since that game three, it's been – the Mavericks dictating the terms of the series. And in game four, I felt like the Jazz didn't really win. The Mavericks just gave the game away. And obviously tonight, the Mavericks uh, very much won. So uh, game six might be a little tighter because just, you know, home crowd. Yep. Closeouts are hard. Yeah, closeouts are hard. But I mean, again, it's up to the Mavericks if they want to win because they've got the formula. They've got this team figured out. So just, just a matter of execution. Yeah, yeah. And, and – not to be like arrogant about this, but it's like they do have the jazz figured out. Like yeah, it's a matter, it, it it's purely a question of execution. And what's crazy is that you like look at this score, and you've said it a couple of times throughout this podcast, like the Mavericks could have won by 40 points tonight. <laughs> and instead they won by 25, which is like, oh, okay, you know, three. We've not talked about a lot of players. I think we should just kind of let certain things go. Like Spencer Dinwiddie was, hey, he was a plus in the in the box score. Um <laughs> He's got to find something for them. I'll tell you that much. Um, yep. Josh Green, um, another just – I mean, he's 6 of 20. He's 6 of 22 from the field this series. I went and did the math. Um, they need him is what I'll say. They just need him for 10 minutes a game. He's got – I mean, he was a negative 9 in 14 minutes, Josh Green was. And, again, yeah, it's just – yeah, well, I will say it's probably not advisable for the Mavericks going forward, whether it's going forward in this series or if they win this series and move forward um, to score, f- have their bench combined for what fifteen points. Uh, and like and, at a certain and point, six it was of like it came points. in garbage time. It was nine <laughs> points in like real time. So that's that's not advi- that's not uh, ideal. So no, it's not. That'll be. We'll see what happens. In, um, that's a little worrisome. I will admit going into Game Six because role <laughs> players don't necessarily play better. This is uh, crazy. In hostile environments. Listen so. to this stat: the Jazz shot just three of thirty from three point range in their Game Five loss to the Mavericks. It was the lowest three point percentage in NBA playoff history. Oh my god! Like we've had a couple of those games where it's like, oh, the Mavericks hit the most open threes in the last ten <laughs> years, kind of thing. And it's like, and that sort of stuff like worries me because it's like those first three games against the Clippers where we're just so excited that the Mavericks were running the Clippers off the floor, and then it turned out that they were just shooting the ball really well. <laughs> yeah, but that's why this game feels so much better. Sure. Because okay, they came back down to earth with their shooting, and they they had the most dominant win of the series. I like that. Um, so I would feel a little bit better. This was definitely okay, not a right. this was not a make or miss game. I know there's a lot of those right. in the playoffs now. This was not one of them. I love it. You're right. Talk me off the ledge. Okay, <laughs> guys, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. Join uh be sure to download the green room. Or I'm sorry, it's now called Spotify Live. 
Um, we have had some people who are better at this than I am joining the green room lately, which is not at all strange. Um, but you should listen and download that. That'll be coming out at around lunch. Stop by our po- our website. We tend to post more after wins just because people want to read more stuff. And we'll see what we can come up with over the next couple of days. And, you know, um, oh, I'm recording a show with um, a big waz of The Ringer uh, on Tuesday afternoon, which will probably go up uh, at some point on um, Wednesday. So look forward to that. All right, guys, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe, and we will talk to you a little later in the week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.